it's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. You're listening to The Sports Stove with host Vince Stover. The Sports Stove is sponsored by RA Marketing. Go radigital.com. Here's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove podcast. We have a phone call from Kelby Tomlinson, infielder with the Colorado Rockies. Enjoy. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove podcast. All right, welcome into the Sports Stove Podcast. Today we have a very special guest. We have Colorado Rockies infielder Kelby Tomlinson. And Kelby, thank you for spending some time with us today on the Sports Stove. Hey, thanks for having me, Vince. Let's start off with talking about this season. Right now everything's kind of up in the air, it seems like, and they're talking about maybe trying to get the season going pretty soon. Uh, What have you heard or what do you know uh, right now as far as when you guys will get back to playing baseball? Man, I haven't um, really heard anything more than what's out there available to the public. I haven't been uh, told any new news. We're hoping, you know, sometime in May we can get get going. Um, but so that's kind of what I'm preparing for. I'm um, treating it right now as kind of like the off season's still going, and we're a little extended um, off season, but still continuing kind of my off season regimen. Um, and then hopefully we'll get a little bit of a spring train and then get going um, pretty soon. But as far as information goes, I, I haven't been told anything more than what's been made available to the public. So does that mean that right now you're basically doing what everybody else is doing, going in the backyard and doing whatever you can? Uh, we, we have a little bit more um, liberty. We, we are, Kansas is where I'm at right now, and we are in a uh, you know, shelter in place, but... All outdoor activities are exempt um, as long as you stay in groups of less than 10 people. So we got about five of us right now that we're going up and doing baseball practice outside. Um, today was a little cold, so um, I just hid in my garage. But, um, you know, I've been getting out and going and doing pretty much, um, you know, maybe not a full practice, but, you know, kind of individual practice, ground balls, um, getting to do my batting practice, playing catch, running, throwing, you know, all that, um, just kind of in small groups rather than a team practice. But, you know, so I'm, you know, I feel I'm a little bit more ahead of the curve than maybe some of the other people that are in bigger cities are able to do. Sure, great. Now, uh, Kelby was drafted in 2011 by San Francisco, currently in the Colorado Rockies organization. You're just signed with Colorado this year. Um, how important is spring training? Uh, I think of sports like maybe basketball and even football where chemistry is so crucial and uh, these these uh, training camps or things like that are so important, um, even in working on making the roster. How important is that or how does this affect um, your chances to start the season uh, up in Colorado? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, spring training uh, is, is definitely a good time to, to kind of get to know people at a more personal level. Um, you know, being with in the same division um, when I was with the Giants as Colorado, um, I've got to play, play against them a lot, so I've got to know a lot of the players um, pretty well. 
but don't get to know. I mean, you just know their names and see them around, but you know, getting to actually know who they are as a person is. Um, you can build bonds in spring training. It's kind of like your first chance to to get to do that. So you know, hopefully, we'll still get a get a chance out and and get some spring training. As far as you know, making the roster goes, you know, I think I was pretty sure slated to to start the season in the minor leagues. Um, you know, but hopefully with this and the short season and having to play more double headers and possibly be in Arizona, um, that they're considering opening up more roster spots, which I think that gives me a little bit better of a chance. But, you know, honestly, I don't know where I stand and, and, and all of that either. So, you know, hoping it, it opens up a little more opportunities, but, you know, I don't know. Sure. When uh, you signed with Colorado, I was looking – through the roster and things like that, uh, you're playing, you know, middle infield or I guess third base as well in San Francisco. But um, one of the the things that in the article I read said that uh, Colorado is a good fit for you because their prospect Brandon Rogers had shoulder shoulder surgery and it might give more opportunity because of that. Plan was probably to start in the minor leagues this season. Um, what I know in San Francisco, you you you've got multiple positions that you played at and things like that what is do you see as your best opportunity outside of just you know injury from other people and things like that what is your best shot um with getting back up uh to the majors in colorado um you know i think the thing i can bring is the the, the versatility and and experience um you know they have you know some really good um some players you know arnado at third and story at short both all-stars and then some really good, talented young players that can play second base, which are the three three players I play. You, you mentioned Rogers, and then there's Hampson and and a few other players that they have that are able to play that position and are really good. So, you know, I think where where I best fit in is you know the ability to back up those positions um, with experience, and you know, not um, you know going to be shocked at what's happening or the situations uh you know i kind of feel like i've you know was coming into my 10th season playing of professional baseball so i can kind of bring that to the table and and not only that but i've played in you know a lot of games up at the major league level that um i can bring to the table and just the flexibility to even to start the game at at shortstop and then if things happen and need to be changed around i can move over to second or move to third and you know, I've got a few innings logged in the outfield, so even in an emergency pinch, I can move out there. When you were in San Francisco, so you made your major league debut in 2015, and in your first uh, game, your first at-bat, I guess, your first three at-bats, you hit safely, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And you were the first first giant to hit safely in his first three at-bats since 2006, when you did it in 2015. Um, you seemed, I could be wrong, but I think that you had a fair amount of uh, pinch hitting and stuff like that, especially in your rookie season. How hard is that to just come in and pinch hit for a, for an at bat? Uh, what's the mindset going into that, and how much? Obviously, it's got to be harder than coming in already uh, having a full game in uh, of at bats. Yeah, it's, it's it's definitely more tough. I kind of think you just kind of got to have a, you know a, a warrior kind of mentality, or just you're going to go in there and battle and give it your your best at bat. I, I, you know the the odds and the expectations of success um, are definitely lower. So you just got to go in there and 
be ready to grind and, and try to do your best, especially if you come in in the situation where a job needs to be done, a runner needs to be moved over, a runner needs to be knocked in. You know, try to get that, that job accomplished, um, even if, you know, you maybe you don't get a base hit or, or get on base, but if you could help the team, you know, get a, chance, a better chance to win the game, that's your ultimate goal. And so, you know, you just kind of try to do your best prep work um, in the cages before you can, can get in there, but um, it's a little more difficult of a task. I want to talk to you a little bit about some of your successes in the league. Your first major league home run was a grand slam against the Cubs, which makes me happy. I'm a Brewer fan, and so anytime the Cubs do bad, I'm all for it. But um, uh, grand slam, uh, I mean, what what was that like? I can't imagine. (laughs) First home run. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of surreal. Um, You know, I was, I remember that bad strikes on me, so I was just kind of, kind of battling. trying to stay alive with the bases loaded and you know I think we were ahead and so really just trying to get I was trying to hit a fly ball and stay out of a double play um in that situation to get the run in and you know he threw me a the left hander threw me a breaking ball which is kind of the one pitch that I can hit pole side in the air better than maybe some other pitches um so I kind of just lined up but once I hit it I, I initially it was just you know, like, all right, we're going to at least get one run in. And then as I kept carrying, it was kind of became surreal at, at, at that moment. Uh, the day after your grand slam, you followed it up by a walk-off single to beat the Cardinals. So that's like, that's that's a pretty good two-day stretch right there. <laughs> yeah, that was a, a fun, crazy two days. Um, just I remember, like, going to sleep that next night and just, like, in a whirlwind as, uh, after the last two days that have happened. So it was definitely maybe the best two-day stretch in, in baseball I've ever had, and it was something I'll always remember. Uh, you're a career 265 hitter. You've got 77 runs, 47 RBIs, 19 stolen bases. When it comes to the uh, offensive side of baseball, what what excites you the most, or what do you think is, is the thing that you see as something you do really well and that you look forward to continuing uh, to improve at? Um, you know, I think my skill is, I, I'm not much of a home run hitter, but, you know, I feel like my skill of giving your, giving the team a quality at bat, um, you know, fighting off pitches, um, swinging at good pitches, laying off pitches that the pitcher thinks were a really good pitch, um, but you laid off to, to maybe get yourself a, a better pitch later in the bat, or like I was saying earlier, to kind of play to the situation, and if there's a guy at third, and get them in or you know it's late in the game and you need to get a, a base runner over into scoring position to be able to uh, accomplish that or you know even come through with a big hit right there to, to score them from second um, you know late in a close game but just to go in and go in the batter's box and put up together a quality at bat in a, in a crucial situation is what I always look forward to each season and, and kind of enjoy those. When you were coming out of college, uh, coming into the draft in 2011, what was your, I guess, your hope or your ideal circumstance to go into? Um, meaning, did was it looking at depth chart, uh, the team you go to, or was it just, hey, as long as I get drafted, I'm good? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely, 
you know, just an opportunity to get a good play. So. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. You get drafted, I'm like, I'm good. But as far as depth charts go and all that, you know you're, you know, in baseball as opposed to more basketball and football, you're, you got a long road ahead of you. I think I was drafted in 2011, and it took me four years, so 2015. So you look at the the depth chart, you know, from 2011 to 2015 when I finally made it, you know there's a lot of, there's a lot of turnover. A little less with the Giants than maybe some other clubs, but in general there's a lot of turnover from the time you're drafted to, to the time you get up. So kind of look at the depth charts. It um, doesn't really give you a, a big sense, but I do remember after I was getting drafted kind of looking at where all their minor league teams were and what cities and what their team names were and <laughs> And thinking about what it'd be like to go and play there, I kind of remember that a lot about the the draft. But you know, just really hoping to get drafted by a team and get an opportunity to go and play was a dream come true. Uh, you've spent your your entire well, the teams and who you've been associated with have all been out west. Has that has that always been on purpose, or has that just been what the opportunities were at the time? Um, well, with the drafted with the Giants, um, that I had no no say in that really. And, Love my time there. Spent you know seven years, a little over seven years with the organization. Um, and then the first time I got a pick um, was after I got taken off the roster with them. And just always really loved the being in Arizona. And Arizona had interest in me, so that was where I went after that. And I just happened to be out west, but that was kind of where things just kind of lined up. They had interest, and we had interest, and it kind of became a fit. Um, then I ended up getting released by them. Things didn't go out as we all hoped, but, um, and I was at home for about three weeks and I think we called every team and no team had openings. We called every team again and no teams had openings again. Um, and then eventually, uh, Seattle had some injuries in the AAA team and they had, they needed a player. So, um, it was like my first opportunity to, to get back out and get playing. So I jumped on that and, you know, had that one been, you know, anywhere else, I would have jumped on it, whether it was east or west. So yeah. that kind of just worked out. And then this off season, I got kind of a little bit of a choice again. And, you know, Colorado was um, at the top of where I wanted to go. And the moment they showed any interest, so we were just ready to get something done to get me to be able to play with them. So we're excited to be with them and, and be there. Have you ever had a moment where in the locker room you were starstruck? Uh, you know, I think maybe the first time the Giants, I was in the Giants in the minor leagues. Um, and probably when I was, I guess it would have been in middle school, 11, 12, 13. Dontrell Willis, he was the pitcher for the Marlins. Yeah. Um, but he had like a remarkable year. I think they won the World Series, so that would have been maybe they didn't win the World Series. But either way, he had like just a crazy like a two year. He didn't have a full long career of a lot of success, but he had a, a good two year run, and that was right in the stretch when I was in the minor leagues. And they had you know Miguel Cabrera and Hanley Ramirez at that time also, so they were a really good team. But um, I just remember him 
from like when I was a kid and then he ended up at the end of his career was in a minor league camp with the Giants and I got to face him and it was kind of like wow that was like you know a kid a guy that I looked up to when I was in middle school um was somebody that I was competing against so I think that was kind of like the first time that I really thought that um and then maybe one other time was getting to face you know Barry Zito that was at kind of the same time when he was when I was in middle school was his um kind of prime and so I got to face him my my first year up his last year out um so that was pretty cool too when it comes to people uh, that have helped you the most when in the majors, would you say that players are more helpful or managers are more helpful um, as far as to continue to help you to develop or see weaknesses and can give you uh, some training or extra help with it or advice, whatever it may be? Um, is there a player or a manager that's, that's helped you, you'd say, the most since you've been in the majors? Yeah, um, uh, with my um, kind of a mix of both. Our infield coach, Ron Wotus, um, one of the best in the game, I think, and he really, really helped me defensively, I think, from when I first came in until who I am now. I've, I've grown a lot on the defensive side um, with a lot of his effort and work that he's invested in me. And then having Crawford, um, Brandon Crawford around um, has also been really good, too, to, to be able to talk with and then just to watch how he works and stuff uh, has been helpful. And then guys like Buster Posey, just the professionalism that they carry themselves with that I have has kind of changed and helped me grow as a as a person and just how I handle things in life. Um, him and Hunter Pence, I think, were really big role models um, in my life as to kind of how is a good way to carry yourself um, just on and off the field that I've looked up to that that I feel like they've helped me so you know kind of a mix of, of coaches and players have, have continued to help me to grow as a fan we always look in and kind of wonder especially when you have older veterans and you you wonder how much they're willing to help as opposed to saying you know hey this person's trying to take my job so I'm not going to do anything to help them. Have you ever had a player that's been kind of like that standoffish, you know, hey, good luck, but but hope you don't have good luck? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, definitely not. I, I, I first in, it was probably my first couple of days, you know, Hunter Pence, who is, you know, a highly touted career, 10-year-plus career, um, all-stars, World Series, um, you know, he came up to me and was like, hey, you're here for a reason. You know, they believe in you. You're here to help us win games. We're all going to go out there. You're no different than anybody else in this locker room. So um, we need you just as much as we need everybody else. So, you know, come in and, and play your best and don't have any lack of confidence because they believe somebody believes that you deserve to be here and you deserve to be here. So don't ever feel as if you don't. Um, we're all here for you. The Giants, you know, have, have did a really good job of creating a culture like that, um, which is also, I believe, in part that led to a lot of their success that, you know, they went in the World Series in 10, 12, 14, and we reached the playoffs again in 16. It was just a group of guys that, you know, believed in each other and helping each other, and, and no matter 
who was in there. We were all part of one family, and we were going to try to help each other. Who's responsible for creating a culture in a baseball locker room? Mm. <laughs> I think I think the players. Um, the managers, I've always felt like, um, can help, but more so they can mess it up more than they can help. The players have to be the ones to create it and hold each other accountable. And the managers play into that, but you know, I guess more so I feel like managers can mess up chemistry more than they can build chemistry so just kind of um you know helping the players along and being there and being a help uh, more than a hindrance is is good and Bochi was always always great about that and making sure that we were you know doing a good job of having a good chemistry and then at the same time not being so much of a Debbie Downer and bringing everybody down at the same time so you know, it's a tough line for them, but, you know, it's, it's ultimately the players that, that are responsible for what happens in the locker room and, and keeping everybody accountable and then picking each other up and caring for each other is, is them, no matter how much a manager wants it and wishes it and tries his best to create it, you know, if the players aren't, aren't there receiving it, it doesn't matter. Hmm. When it comes to your manager staff, um, how much influence does the – the manager have compared to the you know position coaches and um as far as how much time does he spend with with each player working on in practice and things like that yeah so the manager um he as far as practice goes i mean he kind of runs the whole schedule and stuff but as far as individual work um you know not too much he can maybe say something or see something but for the most part, you have, you know, an infield coach who's specifically there to work on infield stuff and then a hitting coach to specifically work on hitting stuff. And, you know, the manager's aspect is, like we were just talking about, um, trying to, you know, control the culture of the team and the, the attitude of the team and then also handle the the managing of the strategic decisions during the game and how we're going to approach, you know, practices and what all we're going to do on practices. So they kind of each have a, uh, a hand in it, but a different hand in a different way. Hope you're enjoying the episode so far. We'll get right back to our interview with Kelby Tomlinson. But first, I do want to point out that our sponsor, RA Marketing, is here to help you. RA Marketing offers turnkey digital marketing services for financial advisors. They've worked tirelessly to create a winning Facebook ads formula that delivers the ROI advisors need. If you're a financial advisor, you need to reach out to RA Marketing to help you. You can find them online at goradigital.com. Now back to the interview with Kelby Tomlinson. Do you have like a favorite ballpark? Is there a ballpark you've played in that you say, you know, this is if I could play there every game, I would. I love that place. Um, I really enjoyed our, our place in San Francisco, especially my first few years whenever we were selling out every day. We had like a 500-game sellout streak, so whenever it was packed, uh, I mean, it's just a beautiful ballpark. Um, great fans who were really into the game, and I always enjoyed it there. Probably my next favorite. Um... Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. 
It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Another favorite was was at St. Louis. Uh, it's another place that's a big baseball community where the, the fans are really into baseball. They're you know, not just showing up for social hour. They're showing up to watch and they want their team to win and they're, they're into the game and they fill up the the stadium so and it's a newer stadium a nice nice stadium as well and just a really cool area so i enjoyed that probably that place as well how different is it playing triple a compared to the majors when it comes to the crowd and the atmosphere of the game um good question i would say i mean there is definitely a difference um as far as the atmosphere and just the crowds i mean you could get some some really good crowds in you know in AAA where you know you're at ten eleven thousand and then some you know kind of Tuesday midday or Wednesday midday games in the major leagues where you're looking at like fifteen thousand and there's there's not much of a difference especially when you factor in when there's not a lot of fans but there's a lot of seats so it feels hmm. really empty you know on those days whereas the in the minor leagues you know you you're people are standing on the the berms and the outfield and stuff and the whole seats are packed it can feel packed and can kind of create a similar um, environment but once you get a you know a full major league stadium and everybody there watching there's you know there's nothing else like it yeah I've not been to a lot of major league games I grew up in Nashville so we'd go to triple a games a lot in Nashville on Saturday nights and always have good crowds there and then the last major league game I went to I took my oldest son to Cincinnati for an April game, or no, I'm sorry, a uh, September game, and it was uh, it was about four years ago, and it was uh, Reds and the Brewers, and neither one of them were in the playoffs, and there was, I mean, there was probably a thousand people there. There wasn't wasn't very many people, and I thought, well, you know, Triple is not that bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes they can they can be pretty pretty similar, but you know, you compare the the same Friday night on the same Friday night. Um, yeah. You know, there is a little bit of a difference, but a Friday night in, in uh, AAA can can sometimes feel like a Tuesday game, and you know, like you said, in September when no teams are in the playoffs, and uh, you know, that type of situation. Yeah. What's the craziest encounter you've had during a, a, a game? Uh, so maybe uh, someone on base that you had a conversation with, or uh, just some some kind of different encounter that happened during a game. I remember we were playing in New York at the Mets, and I just got called up and was, there were some guys injured and then some guys that were about to be coming back off the injury, so I kind of knew I was, kind of had a short window when I was going to be up and then likely be sent back down, but, and I didn't play any, out, I played outfield the year prior, um, but I hadn't played any outfield in spring training or any of that season, so it had been over a year since I played in the outfield. And, you know, there was some crazy game and switches had to be made and there was just a lot of stuff. Um, and I get thrown out in the outfield. So I'm out in New York. I haven't played outfield in over a year and just got called back up and there's this fan out there yelling at me. And he's like, you got a one-way ticket back to AAA and was just yelling all sorts of things. And so I think I won't forget that that moment. <laughs> 
Those uh, fans, it's funny. Um, again, growing up in Nashville, the guys that came through the the Sounds were the Reds affiliate for a while. And then they were the White Sox and then the Brewers and different people. But uh, some fans would just be brutal uh, back there. These guys talking about, you know, you're nothing. Uh, you know, you had guys whose dads played in the majors and they come up. And, you know, and then it's just the things they say to them about – their dads and about who they are it's it's pretty pretty brutal and i know new york has a good reputation of being very friendly uh to the opposing teams that are out there um what's your best baseball memory uh you know i think i got two um definitely uh my my first hit um and then you know obviously didn't know it but my wife uh, if anybody's seen the video and and all that, they you know it was a really cool moment to to watch it afterwards and see see her reactions and and just all of that. Um, that was you know just a crazy day and just a fun a fun time. And then like we were just talking about earlier, the that two day stretch where I hit my first home run, the, the grand slam, and then the next day I had my first walk off hit, and and that two day stretch um, was kind of a crazy two a really fun two days um, um that we had as well so i would say those two moments i guess um would be my top two baseball moments and then playing in the playoffs uh, at wrigley would be up there as well you played uh college ball uh community college was that in kansas yes okay and then you had uh is it one year at texas tech Okay, and did you play shortstop all through college? Yeah, my first year I came in, I was unrecruited, really. Um, coming out of high school, I I accidentally got sawed by this junior college that was recruiting another player um, and got to go there. So um, when I first got there, I played a little bit of kind of the same thing. They had a sophomore shortstop when I was a freshman, and so I kind of played a little bit of third, a little bit of short, a little bit of, I don't know if I played much second that year. Um, and then my sophomore year, um, you know, I was the older guy there. I played every game at short, and then at Texas Tech, I played every game at shortstop. So for the, my most of my career, I played every single game at shortstop. Have you ever had the chance to play, to play against one of your college teammates uh, in the minors or in the majors? Yes, I have. Played, there was my pitcher. It was actually my uh, roommate in at Texas Tech. Um, we got to play against each other. He he was with Oakland. I was with San Francisco. Um, but I don't think I'm trying to think if I ever got in that bat off of him or not. Um, but he he got a pitch in the game that I was in, and then I got to play, and he was down in the bullpen. Um, so we kind of got to see each other. Um, I think that was honestly really the only time. I think there was maybe one other time I got to play with a teammate in the against a teammate in the lower level of the minor leagues. Another pitcher that we had, but um, I think that was really the only couple times that I played against teammates. There's actually been a couple teammates that I had on a high school summer league team that I've got to play against in the minor leagues and in the major leagues. Um, so that's been kind of cool that we were teammates on a high school summer league team, and then you know almost. Ten years later, um, actually ten years later, we played against each other again. So that's been pretty cool. Yeah. Now you mentioned in uh, with the community college, they they kind of found you on accident. 
it seems like baseball is is such a opportunity sport as meaning that um, you have very limited opportunities. Uh, we had a friend back in the 90s. He played uh, AAA ball in New Orleans, and, and when he was finally getting his opportunity, he got injured, and he never really had the chance again after that. And um, what is there any moments outside of uh, the community college of seeing you? Was there anything else that you'd say, boy, that was a, a very fortunate opportunity that had I missed that, um, maybe things would have gone differently, or had that not happened, then then things could have turned out much differently. Yeah, um, for sure. I guess, um, yeah, definitely getting to go um, to my junior college was probably my biggest one because I didn't really have any other options other than that. Um, getting to go to getting drafted out of Texas Tech, uh, getting to play my junior year and getting um, to do pretty well there. Um, like had I had an injury or something um, during that time, um, you know, maybe I don't get drafted or something similar. You know, maybe I get to come back and never get a chance to, to play. So just being able to stay healthy my junior year um, was was also something. And, and then being able to play there, play well, was, was a pretty big opportunity as well. And then, you know, finally getting the – the opportunity, I think, when I got called up was for, um, you know, an injured uh, other player. So, you know, looking at that, had they never had any injuries or anything like that, you know, maybe I I spend the whole year in the minor leagues that year and, and never get a chance again. So there's definitely been the, quite a few breaks that, that I'm fortunate to have. When it comes to uh, talk and things like that amongst players, you had a when you were in San Francisco. Of course, it came in after the Barry Bonds stuff, um, and then this season, coming into the season, all the talk was about the Astros uh, sign stealing scandal and stuff like that. And uh, was there a lot of talk about that coming in uh, originally at spring training, or or was that kind of a, a moot point at that point? Um, I I feel like coming into spring training, I mean, there was. There was it was out there, um, but I think once it got into spring training was when a lot more information became available of, of what all was going on with the Astros. So, um, I mean, I think there was definite talk, not necessarily like as a team, but you might be sitting down eating and and that might be on the TV and somebody might say something about it or kind of ask what your thoughts are on it and you know so there was maybe some small talk here and there I don't necessarily feel that there was you know as a group a lot of talk on that I assume as a as a fan looking from the outside in I assume that everybody steals signs it seems like the issue may have been more of how they were doing it um, and things like that. Do you have an opinion that you're willing to share uh, with us uh, on the situation and and how disappointing or how big of a deal or little of a deal it is to you? Um. Yeah, my whole stance on it um, is kind of was I didn't know if there was specifically a rule about it um, because if there was no rule about it, then there's there's absolutely nothing you can do to say you can't just give somebody any you know discipline or shame for something that I guess is you know quote unquote you know um, 
because it's you know at, at that point it's still fair game. Um, so really, I wasn't for sure of of what the rule was on it or all of that. And then upon learning that there was a rule stating that you can't use live video feed, then um, you know that, that opens up. You broke a rule that's written right there, and you clearly broke it. So you're clearly subject to you know discipline or whatever, and all that is you know, in the hands of the commissioner and I don't really have any thoughts as to whether he made, you know, the appropriate amount. That's that's all his decision. I don't know all the information that he had. What all weighed into any of the decisions that he made, that's that's above me and I don't have all, all the information that he would have had available to him, so I can't say one way or another my opinion on that. But, you know, I can just kind of say that they were based on what the rule was and what as far as I know what they did then they're they're subject to being disciplined or whatever they they got and that's what they were they were given so I don't really know much more than that I guess <laughs> okay now baseball is is oftentimes criticized by two things once by by failing to really reach a younger generation uh they have kind of that get off my lawn mentality a lot of times what they're accused of and then the second thing is the unwritten rules of baseball you know the batter looks at the pitcher wrong or they walk over someplace they're not supposed to or things like that so let's start with this what what are some things that you've seen um in in the majors and in the minors too that are helping baseball go forward um as in in the attempt of reaching a younger generation and continuing to keep baseball an important pastime in america yeah i think um i think it's it's always at least as as much as i have observed it's been a big um um there's been a lot of you know efforts to really appeal and and reach the younger kids of our generation. Um, you know, I think um, as far as, um, you know, just keeping it, it as as relevant, I think is if you're always chasing the times, like always trying to be cool and fit in with maybe the, essentially the cool generation, the youngest generation, the, the certain age, um, you know, you're always, you, then you're getting into a hamster wheel and you're always going to be running, you're always going to be chasing. But if you can stay true to who you are and and continue to, you know, still put in efforts to reach the younger generation, but you might lose some in popularity. Your popularity is going to kind of come and go, but but you're going to always be able to stand around. You know, I think of it like as, as a pair of Levi's. You know, Levi's are have been there forever and and. You know, sometimes they're the popular jeans and sometimes they're not the popular jeans, but as it goes, there's the ebbs and flow, but they're always there. And so, you know, they're going to, they're going to kind of weather the times. And I think as long as baseball can stay true to who they are and, and what they are, then I think, you know, you might come through a season of a generation where, you know, maybe it's not so popular, but as that generation gets older, the next generation comes up and it's like, man, this generation kind of forgot about this and this is really cool and they're going to get really into it again. So I think you, that that is a possibility. Uh, do you think, do you like having a human umpire and having that human error or do you think the uh, automated strike zone 
and uh, electronically done is a could be a positive change if they go that route. I I think it could be a positive change. Um, I, I do think it has to be done right. Um, as far as just just the logistics of it, the accuracy of it, and and kind of where exactly it is, and, and that that if they do it right. But I know there's there's more times than not that you know you get struck out on a pitch that um, you know in your heart of hearts, and and even you go back and look at the video, and it's 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 a ball, and and it took it at bat away from you, or you know essentially. It, could have been an important time or took a run away or helped you lose a game or something that, you know, you'll never get back. And, and not that that umpire did bad. He's trying his best, and I've never felt like they haven't. And they do a really remarkable job, all things considered. Um, but you know that that, that was wrong. And, um, you know, you, don't, you go back to the dugout, you know, guess what, the – the, the coaches don't care. The front office doesn't care that the umpire missed the call. They just care that you didn't get your job done. And mm-hmm. the fact that it was taken away from you and you had no control over it can be frustrating. So I think, you know, and I think as kind of the analogy I always use, I think of guys who used to probably got a ton of base hits taken away with plays at first base. And then once they got the replays, you know, guys like Hunter Pence that he said there were so many balls that he knew he beat out that he got called out on and there was nothing they could do and as they now get overturned to being hits like there's you know how many more hits could Hunter Pence have had in his career had they had the video replay and I think as it comes into it you know you're just going to get a more true true sense of what the strike zone is and what what it should be and kind of take out some of that human error and I think the, the biggest argument people have is just kind of the purest um argument but you know if you look at the history of the game and go back to the early or the late 1800s early 1900s you know they probably played and they just had their self calling it and they used to get into fights and stuff because <laughs> um you know one side was you know not being fair so they finally said hey let's get somebody else that's that's not you know biased in any way had they had you know an electric option electronic option I think they would have completely used that rather than a person but they didn't have that available at the time so even if you would have went back and asked a player in 1910 they would have they would have probably chose to have an electronic strike zone had that been an option so are there any unwritten rules that you broke didn't realize you broke and then someone came up to you and (laughs) made it an issue um you know not really I do remember there was one time um it's kind of funny now that we're, we're with the Rockies and, and Nolan Nolan Arenado he's just you know a great guy and talks to everybody and talks when he gets a chance there was you know a moment where the, he got a, a double and um, they scored a run and you know I'm just over holding him on to make sure he guys didn't try and steal or you know get too big of a lead and be able to score and you know he's talking to me and so I just you know was responding to him and then after that inning Buster came up and said like hey don't the guy just got a hit on us it just looks bad if you're sitting there talking to him like you don't care or anything and so you know at that point I made sure like if somebody ever got a hit and was on second base like I never would <laughs> just just nod my head or not not engage in a conversation with them um, so I guess I kind of broke that to a degree but like I mentioned earlier you know he's just a you know professional in the way 
he handles everything. So he handled it really well, and, you know, I learned from it, and it got better. Yeah. Well, uh, I really appreciate you being on, coming and, and taking the time to call and uh, and be on the podcast. It's You've had some really cool insight, um, and I appreciate that as well. Uh, I've been watching uh, your career probably for about three years now um, with a mutual friend that, that knew some of your family and and uh, so started watching and it was neat to see like you mentioned earlier your wife's reaction to your first hit and uh, but uh, we're cheering for you. Uh, I know a number of people who are and uh, hopefully you get back to playing here real soon. And, uh, and we get back to baseball. It's, it's, uh, of course, everything's shut down right now, but, uh, I think our, our country could use some sports and specifically baseball. What's it going to be like? We missed opening day, which is always just an event, at least in America. Um, do you think that the opening day, whenever that comes is going to be as electric, um, and as exciting as it would have been, um, back in March? Man, I hope so. You know, I think really the only thing we can kind of compare it to is, you know, where baseball was stopped for an event, at least in my lifetime, was September 11th. And I think once, you know, I mean, I was only 11 years old at the time, but once baseball resumed play, um, I I mean, maybe that was carried a little bit more of an emotional um, event. but you know, once it once baseball came back, you know it was it was a big event, and um, you know, so I feel like you know, just it, it can be really something to kind of you know, this country's you know facing you know some some tough times. So I think once you know baseball gets started again, it's kind of like that. All right, let's put our you know our boots back on and let's get back to to going and getting to work. So you know, hopefully it can still kind of be that like turning point event, um, for our country to, to kind of keep moving forward. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, we sure thank Kelby Tomlinson, uh, infielder for the Colorado Rockies organization, uh, getting into this year. Uh, Kelby, honestly, I do greatly appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today and share the information. And, uh, like I said, we're cheering for you and, and, uh, looking forward to baseball getting started again real soon. Hey, thanks for having me, and yes, looking forward to to getting back out there and getting to play again. Thank you for listening to today's Sports Stove Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, make sure you rate and subscribe. You can follow us on Twitter at Sports Stove or find us on Facebook, the Sports Stove Podcast. Until next time, we'll see you around the Sports Stove.